God bless you. God bless you. Thank you so much, everyone, for joining and welcome to another episode of Kingdom Voice Broadcast. My name is Apostle Lance Bellany, and as always, it is my pleasure to be a part of your walk of faith for just a few minutes as we share truths of the kingdom from an apostolic perspective. And we get a chance to walk with each other and to share with each other in this journey of faith into the kingdom. Um, I am truly excited this morning to share with you and to bring to you what I, <clears throat> what Holy Spirit has given me, what Mother has given me to share with you. And um, this morning, I, I really thought it appropriate to um, to bring about um, uh, to consolidate the things that I've heard Mother uh, say to me and and what she is saying to me in this very season. Um, in in this very hour, and so I, I'm I'm truly excited about that. That I, I'm looking forward to. And so as we get ready to share, and as we get ready to um, uh, just bring that forward, I want to invite all of you to join with me as we share um, uh, in this broadcast. Uh, if you desire desire desire, excuse me, to uh, to connect with us, you can do so at. Uh, via email, you can reach me at lcbellany at yahoo.com. Or if you desire to write to us, you can do so uh, via snail mail at Apostle Lance Bellany or Kingdom Voice Broadcast at 214 Remington Road, Huntsville, Texas, 77340. That's 214 Remington Road, Huntsville, Texas, 77340. And for those of you that would like to make a contribution to the broadcast, uh, I really uh, would appreciate it. You can do so um, via Cash App at dollar sign Lance Bellany or at PayPal. You can do so at LC Bellany, LC Bellany at PayPal and dollar sign Lance Bellany at Cash App. So, again, thank you so much for joining and being a part of the broadcast. Let's go ahead and get started this morning. And uh, let me say uh, good morning to uh, Brother Gary Allen and Apostle Vincent Poole and uh, Sister Felita Lott. Thank you all for checking in and just letting me know that you're on the broadcast this morning. I really appreciate uh, you join uh, you joining in. And I know my good friend Apostle Vincent is out on assignment and he has still decided to to just drop in and just say hello and check in on the broadcast. Thank you guys so very much. So let's get started. Um, I, I want to share with you uh, some things that mother has said to me and really began to uh, press upon me in this season. Um, and it is very important uh, for me, and I, and I trust that it will be very important for you as well, that as you hear these things, it will stir up in you um, a sense of necessity to hear the voice of Holy Spirit, to hear Father's voice, to hear the Creator's voice, and so, so let me let me let me take a a, a small digression here and and just address something. A lot of times you will hear me and others begin to say, hearing God's voice, or hearing Father's voice, uh, or hearing Holy Spirit's voice, in 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 a in a broad sense, or in a in a greater sense, it is. Uh, synonymous. Fathers, Holy Spirit, uh, our Lord's voice is synonymous with each other. They speak from one place, okay? Uh, and I believe in this season that what Holy Spirit, what Father, what the Creator is going to do in this season is begin to distinguish 
one voice from the other. And it is not uncommon that as we hear our parents' voices, that we begin to distinguish their voices from each other. In the spirit, it is going to become uh, uh, necessary as we begin to distinguish father speaking to us from mother speaking to us from our brother speaking to us, okay? I just wanted to drop that bit in, <clears throat> in your spirit to, 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 to consider. The second thing I wanna, I wanna share with you um, as we move forward is it's important for us to begin to understand that the, the Bible as we have it is not the authoritative word or voice of God. It is not in this season. I'm gonna say that again, in hopes that you grasp what I'm, what I'm emphasizing. The scriptures, the Bible as we have it, is not the, uh, the, the final authoritative voice of God, of the creator. Their voice is the final authoritative voice for me. It's their voice. It's what they are saying to me that is the final authoritative voice. It is the intimacy that I am engaging with them in that is going to determine what they say to me. It is the intimacy, okay? Can they speak to me through what's written? Sure they can, but it is them speaking to me through that. It is not that speaking to me apart from them. Okay, too many of us have allowed what is written to dictate and solo solely dictate what God says to anyone at any time about anything. And that is simply not the case. We must begin, especially in this season, and we're going to talk about that in just a few minutes. <clears throat> but we must begin to, in, to allow the voice of God, the intimacy with God to, to introduce and make clear that voice to be the final authoritative instruction of our father, of our mother, of the Godhead in our lives. Amen. Okay. I just wanted to, to give a bit of insight and a bit of clarity concerning that. Also, for those of you that are watching by Facebook live or by, by YouTube, if you desire to make a comment, please make a comment. Uh, I can see them live and I will address them as they come in. So please feel free to engage with me via your comments. <clears throat> and, uh, and I will effort to, um, to engage with that comment as we, as we bring uh, the message today or the broadcast today to a close. Okay, so let's get started. First thing I want to talk about uh, what mother said to me is has to do with her identity. And many of you um, have heard me talk about the feminine nature of Holy Spirit, but you would be surprised at how difficult that is for many people to receive when you begin to talk about the feminine expression of the Godhead being Holy Spirit, because we have been so indoctrinated, and I understand it, I was right there with you. We have been so indoctrinated in the idea that Holy Spirit is masculine or male. And so one of the things that they, they, they point to is, uh, one of the things that, I, that is often in opposition to the feminine expression, uh, uh, to the feminine nature of Holy Spirit, is the fact that Holy Spirit is everywhere written in the New Testament as he, as he, as he, as he. And to the average Bible reader, 
who really does not understand the historical context of the evolution of the, the, the scriptures will argue you on that basis and that basis alone, okay? And then you have those that uh, jump to the spiritual side of things. There is neither male nor female. Well, what difference does it make? Well, that, that's, that sword cuts both ways. If you're telling me it doesn't make any difference, then why don't you embrace our feminine nature? If you're telling me that it, that it uh, doesn't make any difference, then what difference does it make that uh, she is male or female? Well, I beg to differ. I believe just as we are created, just as we are created male and female, uh, there is a significance to our uh, uh, femininity or to our masculinity. There is a significance to that. There is a reason that there was both male and female, that because that, that, that uh, those two existences complement one another, and it's necessary for the harmony of a lot of things that we do have male and female. And I believe that male and female exists in the creation because male and female are masculine and feminine. We know male and female tend to uh, uh, attenuate toward gender, and we know that there is no gender in the father. But masculinity and femininity is more attenuates toward a nature, towards a characteristic, toward a character, okay, of 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 a being, okay? And I believe that male and female exists, uh, and masculine and feminine rather, exists in the creation because masculine and feminine exists in the creator. And because it exists in the creator, they imposed it upon their creation. So having said that, her identity is feminine, okay? I need those of you that will hear this, that will pass this on, and by the way, feel free to share this uh, uh, broadcast on your on your various platforms, please. Uh, <clears throat> and those of you that will share this and will uh, champion the understanding and the ideology that uh, Holy Spirit is in fact feminine. She is in fact our mother, as I, as as my good friend Apostle Poole likes to put it. She is in fact the womb of creation, and she is the womb by which every born again in individual enters the kingdom. It is through the womb of Holy Spirit. It is that nurturing one, the all-breasted one. Why is that important in this season? It is important in this season, and, and this is what I'm going to get to in just a little bit. It is important in this season because the very understanding of who the creator is will be vital to us being able to endure where we are going, the days, the coming days that are headed toward us. It's important, it's imperative that we understand the, the, the truth around Holy Spirit and who she is. Holy Spirit is in fact the feminine expression of the Godhead. She is there to nurture, she is there to instruct, she is there to bring us along in the spirit realm unlike, if you will, uh, I'm not going to say unlike, but uh, as an as a requirement of the Godhead, she is there to nurture us, to, to be with us, to comfort us, to bring us through these things. Now, one of the things that we must understand, the nature of our mother or our, of the feminine expression, expressions in our lives are often there, especially in the case of our mother, are often there to nurture us through our adolescence. Okay, to nurture us through our infancy, our toddling, and then our preteen and our teenage years, and right on into 
uh, our adult years. And then that voice becomes a resort of, uh, of sorts, if you will, because at some point in time, we leave the breastfeeding of our mother. We leave the nurturing of our mother to a certain degree to the point that we now must begin to walk on our own. We must begin to impose our presence upon a thing, upon our circumstances, upon our sphere of influence, upon our environment. We must begin to impose our sonship upon the kingdom. And at some point in time, our engagement with mother will begin to be of a nature to where she is more of a counselor than a guide. I know this is tough. I know this is hard for some of us to hear, but I'm telling you the kingdom is attenuating toward us being that authentic voice of the creator in the earth. Us being that, and not just in spirit, but in ideology and in expectation. You've heard me talk about, and you've heard me say, doing something intentional on purpose, on purpose and without apology. A big reason for that is, is that is going to be vital in where Holy Spirit is taking us, where the kingdom is, is, is leading us to go. We're going to have to say things without apology, on purpose and intentional and expecting and not just expecting, but watching the kingdom respond to what we say. Beloved, so this is important for us to understand. Her identity is feminine, and that is a part, and, and very much like the understanding that we are sinless, and I, I'm, I'm just making a comparison here. How difficult it is for many of us to embrace the idea that we are sinless in this life, it is equally difficult for many to embrace the idea that Holy Spirit is in fact our mother and not our father, okay? And not a man, not masculine. Holy Spirit is in fact our mother. The, she is the, the, the uh, maternal expression of the Godhead, okay? Whereas Yeshua is the uh, expression of sonship coming out of the Godhead. And Yahweh is the expression are the paternal expression coming from the Godhead, okay? Those things we must begin to recognize, all right? And uh, let me say this in, in, in a distinction, in distinguishing between the three uh, and, and to continue on that uh, distinguishing pattern here for just a second. Yeshua is not me and I'm not him, okay? And especially for those that are, feminine in the earth. You're not Yeshua and Yeshua is not you. You're who you are. You need to nurture your expression. I need to nurture my expression in the kingdom, just as he nurtured his expression of savior, okay, of redeemer, all right? This is not about me being Yeshua and Yeshua being me. This season is about me cultivating my own identity, in the, in the Godhead, in the creator. My own identity is vital in this season, okay? So having said that, her identity is in fact feminine, all right? 
here is something else that I want you to begin to understand. And this this if this is going to bear some explanation uh, for just a minute. OK, it, it really is. Um, one of the things that mother told me from the very beginning was that this season. Um, her focus, the focus of the kingdom. Was going to shift from the center to the sons and daughters, meaning that the emphasis of winning souls, as we like to put it in Christianity, winning souls. And by the way, that 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 anyway, let me let me not digress too far down that path. But the emphasis of winning souls into the kingdom was going to be less of an emphasis as the kingdom begins to focus on the nurturing and uh, maturation of the sons and daughters uh, and the heirs of righteousness. Okay. Now, now I, I received that as it was given to me. Didn't truly appreciate or have a full understanding of, of that, but I, I just accepted what mother was saying to me, what I was receiving as coming from her and began to move in that direction. And what I noticed and, and what I began to recognize is that that which she was saying, began to say to me, subsequently began to say to me, was attenuating toward the things that were focusing more on my sonship than on the winning of someone else into the kingdom. Now, I want everyone to be very clear uh, uh, that I am certain that mother has not abandoned those that are to be born. But I want you to understand something. In like fashion, I want you to recognize the fact that, <clears throat> listen to me closely, in the days of Noah, there were people being born that were coming into that had never done anything, but yet suffered the fate of those that were suffering before them. And only eight souls went into the ark. Okay. Only eight souls. At some point in time, there is a cutoff point. And those that are being born, and in this case, born again, if you will, are, are not yet born again into the kingdom, uh, will have to deal with the consequences of the timing in which they were brought to bear or brought into a place. And I know that was a bit convoluted. So let me back up and <clears throat> Let me say that again. Those that are not yet born again. And those of us that are the heirs and mother focusing in on us. She said to me that the fate of those individuals will be in the mouth, in the hands of those that are being matured. That's what mother said to me now. Obviously, I had a difficult time, a challenge reconciling that because everything that I had been taught and indoctrinated into spoke toward winning souls. Everything about the kingdom up until that point was about going out and evangelizing souls. And this in large part is why many of us and the, and the, and the, the body at large, the ecclesia, the ecclesia is so immature because so little focus was placed on the maturation of the ecclesia. 
or the body. So little emphasis was placed upon their maturation. And so all the emphasis being placed, uh, so much of the emphasis being placed on the winning of souls, all we were doing were accumulating babies and leaving them to do nothing with. Yeah, we indoctrinated them into Christianity or into uh, denominationalism or into an organization or, or, or so forth and so on. But their maturity, their self-sustaining ability, uh, spiritual ability was lost. And so as a result of that, as a result of that, what we want to begin to emphasize is that as mature sons and daughters, as we mature, as we begin to walk into that maturity, we will begin to speak to the fate of those that are unregenerate, uh, those that haven't been born again. We will speak to their fate. Their fate are the 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 what will happen to them, we will determine. The sons, the heirs of righteousness will determine. Now, I know that sounds far-fetched and that sounds way out of, out of bounds, but, but I'm going to go back to something. Uh, or I want to emphasize something. Father wants to turn the family business over to us. Father wants to turn the family business over to us. And in order for us to handle the family business, we have to be prepared as father is. Beloved, this thing is, it's, it's, it's not very complicated as religion has made it to be. It's quite simplistic uh, uh, when you begin to truly see it, okay? You remember, you remember our Lord said, except a man be born again, he can't even, born of the water and the spirit, he can't even see the kingdom, let alone participate in the kingdom. We've got people telling us about the kingdom that have never even seen the kingdom. They've only seen religion. And because they tried to interpret scripture and determine what the kingdom is, that's what they passed on to us. A stale bread stale food, if you will, okay? So the fate of the ungodly, the fate of the sinner, you need to be prepared to address that. You remember I said at the very beginning, where we're going, our true identity, our kingdom identity is going to be vital in order for us to perform or, or, or in order for us to endure where the kingdom is taking us, what's coming our way, if you will. We're going to have to know our kingdom identity. We're going to have to be fully engaged with our kingdom identity if we are going to be able to endure that season that is headed our way. If you have nothing more than a religious, a kingdom, I mean, a religious or a Christian or denominational identity, you're going you're gonna to fall victim. Look at the example of this latest pandemic, of the pandemic that has come upon us. Church leaders failed. Simple as that. They failed to be able to deliver on the rhetoric that they had been preaching to us for, for 2,000 years, this pandemic 
exposed the impotence of the church. It exposed it. There is no two ways about it. There is no uh, um, question in my mind that the leadership of the church were impotent to deliver on the promises of their rhetoric. And we saw it in living color right before our eyes. Now, what you do with it is up to you. I've said this on multiple occasions. So, so many and too many of us look at the church for what we want it to be rather than looking at the church for what it is. And this pandemic exposed the church. I am so glad. I am so thankful that mother began this journey in me in anticipation of this pandemic. I'm not saying, well, I'm sure she knew what was going on, but, but she began this journey in me well in advance of this pandemic. And I was able to see it for what it was, not just the pandemic, but also the church, just see them for what they were and what they are. And as a result of that, was able to take the necessary steps to preserve my walk of faith rather than try to uh, uh, react to the things that were coming down and coming upon us. Amen. So the fate of the sinner is in our hands. And that is, or certainly will be in our hands. We are going to pronounce their fate. What's going to happen to them? Where are they going to land? What are they going to, how are they going to engage with the kingdom in the days coming forward? And again, I'm going to say this very clearly. This is what I heard mother say to me. Now, you can take it and you do whatever you want to do with it. But this is what I heard her say to me. Now, many of us, many of us, and many who will hear this, they will resort right back to the scripture and try to justify or deny what I've just said. And I'm telling you, 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 you that's an exercise in futility. You will never find it. You are going to have to go to the source for yourself to understand the things that I have said. I, I, I'm going to refer back to my good friend, uh, Apostle Vincent Poole, and he often says that when Apostle Paul was talking to the Bereans, how that they searched the scriptures to see whether or not those things that Paul said were so or not. And he heard Holy Spirit, he heard Mother say to him that they were not searching what was written, they were searching the heart of God. And I want to echo that in this moment. You are going to have to search the heart of God to determine whether or not these things that I've just said about the fate of the sinner are so. This is the apostolic anointing. This is what the apostolic anointing brings to bear. It brings to bear those things that Holy Spirit are doing in the earth, in the present. Scripture can only address what, what Holy Spirit said to them in their day. Now, some of that obviously applies prophetically to our day as they spoke moving forward or they spoke forward um, uh, prophetically. Uh, and I get that. But the, the, the vast majority of what's written was written to them for them for their hour. OK, I digress. All right. So the fate of the sinner is in our hands and we're going to announce that we're going to pronounce that it's vital for us to understand that. 
we have been told, and here's another thing, again, as a part of what uh, mother was really beginning to engage me with, um, one of the things that she said to me was that Yeshua's return wasn't soon, okay? As we count soon to be weeks, months, maybe a decade or so. Um, she said it's, 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 it's not going to happen as we have preached it to happen. Now, now, so let me digress for just a moment and address the soon issue. We have to understand that when this was written just shy of 2,000 years ago, we must understand that the author, in this particular case, Apostle Paul, when he wrote, for the return of our Lord is at hand. You got to understand that he truly believed that Yeshua's return would be, was imminent, would be before his departure and lifetime. So one of the things that I have often encouraged people to do is to read what's written in the order in which it was written, chronological order. You have to understand, and many of us, this, this often escapes us, that what is written is not written in chronological order. There is no rhyme or reason. Theologians have tried for, for centuries to understand why the canon of scripture was organized and ordered the way it was. And there, there is no rhyme or reason to, there just isn't. But we can determine the chronological order in which things were written, and we can go back and read them in the order that the books were actually chronologically penned. And one of the things, as I undertook that exercise, that I learned and I, that, that, that I recognized was that a, a pattern emerged out of that. An understanding is to be had by reading it in chronological order, okay? And you begin to, to, to see the evolution of the writers that were writing. And one of those uh, writers and the evolution of those writers was Apostle Paul. One of the things that I noticed about Apostle Paul in his writings as I read them chronologically was that Paul was a bulldog in the beginning. And then Paul began to be more matured and seasoned and, and, and uh, toward the end of his writings. One of the things that I recognize is that Paul truly believed that Messiah was going to return in his lifetime. And later, as you read the, 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 the more latter writings of, of Paul, he, it, it's clear he understood that that probably was not going to happen. And that's a good thing to understand. So my point to all of that is, is that the return of Yeshua has been taken from the standpoint of he's coming back soon. Could be any day now. Mother said, no, it's not going to be like that. She said to me, it is not going to be any day now. She is going to let those that are tuned in to her voice know when Yeshua will return. It's not going to be a secret to the ecclesia. It's not going to be uh, to catch the ecclesia all, uh, uh, as a thief in the night. We are going to know. Yes, I said it. We are going to know. I'm, I don't profess to know now because she hasn't, she hasn't said it. But I promise you, when the time is at hand, those that are tuned in to the voice 
of the Godhead, to the voice of mother, to the voice of God, are going to hear them say, prepare, because Yeshua's return is going to happen in this hour. That, beloved, is the nature of which Holy Spirit Mother wants to talk to us, that Father wants to engage with us, okay? Probably the most significant event on the horizon of the kingdom yet to take place is the return of Yeshua. But now Yeshua's return <clears throat> is, and, and Mother said this to me, she said, y'all are looking for Yeshua to return and the, we are looking for you to mature. We cannot send him back until you mature. Hello, somebody. We cannot send him back until you mature. You see, most of us are, are looking for Yeshua to come back to get us, to rescue us. I heard mother say, no, we have to make a presentation to Yeshua upon his return. You see, we have been so indoctrinated with this escapism. Just get ready. Just wait. Just hold on till Jesus come. That's what we were taught. Just hold on till Jesus come. And then, then we're going to get out of here. Okay. Just, just, just hold on till Jesus come and, and we're going to get out of here. Well, that engenders uh, uh, a sense of laziness, uh, for lack of a better word. Wait and see. Just just hold on and and hang on. Just uh, just just wait until he come. When in reality we are neglecting a necessity, a a requirement of us to take the kingdom, to possess the kingdom. You know, one of the things that I've often heard is people use the phrase or the scripture, "Occupy until I come." And one of the things that we have to understand is that an occupying force is a force that rules. And probably the most significant, um, uh, probably the most significant uh, example of that is what's happening on the West Bank uh, of the Middle East, where uh, Israel is occupying the West Bank. They're not there waiting for the the inhabitants of the West Bank to tell them what to do. They are there ruling over the West Bank. Beloved, we, dear hearts, we have been given the, the, the command to occupy until the Lord's return. We have to begin to be the governing and ruling body of the kingdom. That is what the ecclesia is, the governing and ruling body of the kingdom. We have nowhere near come to that place in the kingdom. We are still subject to whatever the world tells us. And again, I'm going back to this pandemic. This pandemic has exposed us, exposed the, the church for the impotence that it has provided and that it, it possesses. It's a lion with no teeth. It's a snake with no venom. Are you with me? It's a cat, a tiger with no claws or paws. I mean, uh, 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 no teeth or no, or no paws. Okay? It's a lion with no roar. This is what the church is offering those of you that will cling to it. 
I'm inviting you to come and to possess the kingdom. I'm inviting you to come and to be a part of the kingdom of heaven. And the greatest way to do that is to begin to have intimacy, begin to ask Holy Spirit to guide you into that place of knowing who she really is, to know who the father is and to recognize who you are in them. All right. So Yeshua, his return is awaiting our maturity. And until we embrace our maturity, until we begin to embrace the maturation that is required of us, we will continue to delay the return of Yeshua. And as I said, it is not going to catch us as a thief and a robber. It is not going to um, um, just happen unexpectedly. The Ecclesia will know when Yeshua will return. We will know. Last thing I want to say on this before we go on to the next point I want to make in, in which mother has been speaking to me. Again, we use that scripture. No man knoweth the day or the hour, but my father. And that is exactly right. And who father chooses to expose it and reveal it to that's father's business. And I'm telling you, they have determined to, to reveal that to the Ecclesia upon our maturation. All right. Lastly, I want to say this. This is why we cannot continue to simply rely on what's written to be the authentic uh, revealing of the Godhead, of the kingdom. Because what Yeshua said was, in fact, true to that generation, to the generation to which he spoke it to. And we've taken what he said to that generation as if it was for us. And so we've responded to that, reacted to that, created doctrines around that on the basis that, that, that it was for us. I, 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 let, let's move on. The next thing I heard Mother say, and this was, this was very impactful. This was very traumatic. I heard her say to me that Jesus was a creation of Rome. Jesus was a fictitious character created on the identity of Yeshua. But then they began to add attributes, characteristics to Jesus that never were a part of Yeshua's life. One of the things, and, and, and I submit this to you as a point of your investigation. I submit to you, I submit this to you as a point of your uh, own personal journey. Um, there is enough evidence there to suggest that it is true, but there is also enough evidence there to um, cast reasonable doubt as to whether it is true. But I'm going to say it because I believe you're mature enough to handle what I am about to say. Here is something that we meet, need to understand. There is evidence to suggest that Mary was not a virgin and that the prophecy in Isaiah was not talking about a virgin, but a young lady, a damsel would be found with child. And over the years, translations and, and 
dare I say, um, uh, nefarious activities created this idea that Mary was in fact a virgin. I submit that to you and your own study. Investigate that. Take a look and see if in fact that is the case. For me, it doesn't, it doesn't change what was done. It doesn't change the holiness of our Lord. But I, I, I digress. I just wanted to put that point out there as one of the items uh, that mother began to expose me to. Okay. But I want to go back to my original point. Jesus is a creation of Rome. Yeshua is the son of the kingdom. Jesus is a creation that Rome came up with to promote the religion of Christianity to the broader Roman empire. They made him look like a Roman. They gave him the attributes of a Roman. And yet, and yet they knew where he came from. He was a Middle Eastern man of color, and they turned him into a European Caucasian. Now, you can argue that point. You can say I'm being racist. You can say I'm, I'm being a revisionist of history. Uh, I, and in some certain respects, I am because that part of history was created. It was fabricated. Yeshua was a man of Middle Eastern descent of color. Today in America and in Europe, we see him as a Caucasian male. We envision him as such. And that is not the creative, uh, or that is not the truth of the kingdom. Now, mother emphasized that to me because I believe she wants to make a point of that, to bring the true identity of, of Messiah to the forefront. Well, what difference does it make? He came to save mankind. Here we go again with that. What difference does it make thing? Then if it makes no difference, then why is it that we emphasize it so hard? Why do we defend it so hard if it doesn't make any difference? Of course it makes a difference. It makes a difference in how we identify with Messiah. Now, he wasn't an African as we uh, count Africans uh, uh, um, well, I guess I can't say that because at the time of his advent, that part of the world was considered a part of the continent of Africa. Um, so, so let me back off. Let me digress from that point. The other point that I want to make is, is that it doesn't make a difference in the sense that he is Messiah and that he came to save all of mankind. It doesn't make a difference in that respect, but it does make a difference if we're going to embrace truth. If we're going to embrace truth, we have to embrace the whole of it. And there are some things that have been brought out to my attention, uh, brought to my attention over the course of this journey that have been met by me with a bit of resistance because it 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 threatened what I had what I already believed. It challenged what I already believed. But if I am going to pursue truth, then I am going to have to embrace that which is truth. Amen. All right. Jesus is a creation of Rome. And I need you to know that there are a lot of things that we say Jesus did and said and so forth that Rome created. 
that those things were, were fabricated by Rome. There are a lot of things that we talk about concerning the Godhead and the attributes of the Godhead that are, are not so, i.e. we talked about mother being feminine and Rome created a masculine Holy Spirit. Okay. And this is something we've got to begin to, to embrace. And mother said to me and shared with me that Jesus is a creation of Rome. Yeshua is the, uh, the, the, the savior. Yeshua is the expression of kingdom salvation. I want to say this to you before we go. And, and one of the things that really uh, challenged me was when mother began to, to share with me um, the, uh, expose me rather to the, the, the real translation of Yeshua. And for many of us who don't know this, the real translation of Yeshua is Joshua. Okay. Uh, now, uh, Joshua, the son of Nun from the Old Testament fame and the, his name and the name Yeshua, um, uh, Hamashiach, those two names are synonymous. They are the same name. Okay. And so, um, when we look at how they handled Joshua, son of Nun, his name continued to be Yeshua. I mean, Joshua or Yeshua. Okay. But when we look at what they did to the translation of Yeshua, Messiah, Hamashiach, they changed it to Jesus. Well, then why didn't they change Joshua, his name to Jesus? Well, there was a reason because they wanted to make the Messiah something that they could identify with. And they did exactly that. They turned Messiah, who was obviously the most important of the two characters, they turned it into something that they could identify with rather than translate both Joshua, son of Nun, and Yeshua HaMashiach into the same name, Jesus. They chose not to do that. That's some finagling. That's some nefarious um, activities. So it is imperative for us to begin to embrace the truth. I, I got one more point that, that I want to bring out before, before I begin to read some of the comments that uh, um, that you have made. And thank you all so much for joining uh, Catalina and Lance and uh, though you guys, thank you so much for, for acknowledging your presence here on the broadcast today. Um, the last point I wanted to make is our identity will be critical in the coming days. Our identity will be critical. Most of us, and I dare say, if not all of us, have a religious identity. We have a Christian identity. And I said this earlier, and I want to repeat myself here. I think this pandemic exposed a Christianity for what it is. Okay. It, it, it offered us little to nothing in terms of uh, an example of how we ought to be handling this pandemic. And I think it is uh, endemic. Uh, Im, Im, impl it implicates how uh, the even greater challenges we are going to face will be handled by Christianity, okay? Um, it's imperative. Your kingdom identity will afford you the ability and the, the uh, um, to stand fast, to stand strong in the face of the opposition. 
it will afford you the ability to speak to your circumstances and your challenges and to command the kingdom concerning those challenges and that you and your family will be uh, uh, safe uh, uh, under that authority of your identity. Because what is what is headed, and, and I don't know what is headed this way. I know in the spirit that what is headed this way will challenge us. Okay? It will challenge us. Who saw this three years ago? Who saw this? Name one prophet that I know of that, 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 that prophesied this pandemic. I, I can't remember one. It caught everyone, church included, by surprise. This is why our kingdom, the emphasis upon our kingdom identity is so critical. Because at that point, mother will be able to speak to us one by one by one by one what's headed our way. And we will be in a position to receive it from a place of maturity. That's important for us, beloved. That's critical for us because the challenges that are facing us will become greater and greater. And the authority in which we walk in the earth will need to meet that challenge. Christianity won't give it to you. The church can't give it to you. Only the kingdom and your kingdom identity will position you to be able to handle what is headed our way. Amen. Well, God bless you. Uh, let me take a few minutes just to read some of the comments that uh, that were made. Uh, Catalina Scott said this. She said, I believe that one of the issues with people not wanting to accept the feminine nature of Holy Spirit is because we know that every member of the Godhead is an equal member. Catalina, that, that's that's a bold statement, but I believe it to be absolutely spot on in that every uh, member of the Godhead is an equal member. And to make Holy Spirit feminine is to make women equal with us. That is the, that was the redemptive, one of the redemptive aspects of Messiah was to bring every individual up, the poor to, with the rich, the male with the female, the, you know, uh, the, the different races on the earth were all to be brought into a common uh, unified existence. But because of misogyny, and by the way, for those of you that have not heard me say that, the scriptures are replete with misogyny. They were written from a place of misogyny. It was, it was embedded in the culture in which the scriptures were, 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 were um, instituted, misogyny. Women were second class, and what Messiah came to do was to elevate all individuals into a place of common unity. Amen? Amen. Uh, Catalina also says, if they accept mother as mother, then they have to accept women as equal and not as second or less than. What do you think? I absolutely believe that that is the case. And I absolutely believe that it is vital for us to recognize. Here's another point that I heard mother say, uh, and I didn't actually cover in, in this broadcast today. And that is that um, women, uh, the voice, the feminine voices in the earth are going to be vital to where to our ability to endure what is coming our way. Did you hear me? That 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 it that your voice, your leadership, your 
presence, is, I'm talking about the feminine presence now, is going to be vital to your, uh, to the, the survival of the ecclesia. So it's not just the individual, but the entire body is going to be uh, critical that we have your voice and that we hear your voice and that we honor your voice. <clears throat> Brother Gary says, I've heard that for years. Why would I want to be in a kingdom where I am not a king? Amen. Uh, I can't exactly remember what point I was dealing with, Gary, but I will say that uh, I echo that sentiment. Why be in a kingdom where I can't be a king? I know uh, in, in Christianity, uh, you know, we talk about ruling and reigning and what have you. Um, and, and we absolutely talk, uh, uh, talk that talk. But when it comes down to it, we have no authority. We can't impose ourselves on the situation as Yeshua did. Think about the marriage of Canaan. Think about the, uh, the funeral procession. Think about uh, um, the young man that was uh, brought to him that was a lunatic. All of these things, he imposed himself upon the situation and made the situation better for those who uh, cared about that situation. And what do we do? We cry and moan and mourn rather right with those who are crying and mourning as if that somehow is comforting to them. They want their loved ones back. They want their uh, their bodies healed. They, they want their situations rectified. And what do we do? We mourn with their sorrow. Yeah, right. OK. Give me the kingdom identity uh, uh, any day above that. Um, uh, Felita says this. She said uh, the workings in the church and positions uh, and position teaches them how to operate with the senses, not the spirit or listening, be, uh, not with the spirit or listening being taught of the real Godhead. They themselves do not know what relationship is. Absolutely. You know, in the church, we find ourselves um, spewing rhetoric from a place of intellect. We only spew and regurgitate what we've read. OK, the kingdom of heaven is not based on regurgitation. The kingdom of heaven is based on revelation. And what I mean by regurgitation, I mean that we're not simply reading something and repeating something. That's not the kingdom identity. The kingdom identity is based on hearing father say something and declaring what we've heard. OK, from father. I'm not talking about from others, from father, declaring, revealing what we have been uh, what has been said to us by the creator. Uh, Pastor Milton Lewis says this, Catalina, you're right. Uh, that's because insecurity sets in when one doesn't have a sure relationship with the Godhead. Pastor Lewis, that is spot on. We, we become insecure. We become insecure when, when we don't have a sure relationship. When I don't know who I am, I'm threatened by who you are. When I don't know my true kingdom identity, I'm threatened by what you're, you, you, you represent. Amen? Amen. Well, listen, thank you all so very much. Thank you all so very much for joining in and being a part of the broadcast. And I don't know if you recognized it today, but uh, I'm using a different platform. Thank you all for at that who have made contributions. You made this possible for us to be able to purchase uh, a new platform that allows us to stream on both Facebook and on YouTube simultaneously. As in the business, we can simulcast on all these platforms simultaneously. And thank you so much for making that possible uh, here on today's broadcast. I'm thankful for that. And we'll continue to be adding more and more and more 
uh, features to our broadcast to make it uh, a lot easier for you to engage with us. I saw all of your comments and, and that is so, so helpful uh, for me to be able to respond to them as we as we engage. So again, thank you all so much. It has been an absolute joy to continue to bring you truths of the kingdom from an apostolic perspective. You can see I'm once again sitting in a hotel room. Uh, my wife and I uh, had the occasion to to once again be on the road during the weekend. And um, and uh, but thanks to technology, we can come to you um, with the word that father has been giving to us, which mother has been nurturing in us. Amen. And uh, we're so thankful for that. Well, with that being said, beloved, thank you for joining. Thank you for being a part of the broadcast, sharing a few minutes of your walk of faith with us. Join us again next time as we continue to bring you truths of the kingdom from an apostolic perspective. Until then, be well and be blessed. We'll see you next week.